In our Old Testament lesson, Abraham undertakes the role of a mediator between God and sinful humanity. Appealing to God's justice, Abraham boldly asks for mercy for the city of Sodom for the sake of a few righteous people who are in it, including Abraham's own nephew, Lot. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham sh shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth be blessed in him? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done what they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let the, not let the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way, and he finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Our psalm for today is from Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give thanks to you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, 
for the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Our New Testament reading is from the book of Colossians, the second chapter, beginning with verse 6. Paul warns his congregation in Colossae about the empty lure of philosophies and traditions that compromise faith. Through the gift of faith, the church is mysteriously connected with Christ in his death and resurrection, which is enacted in baptism. From verse beginning at verse 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells boldly, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with, his legal, with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by trying, triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on a senseism and worship of angels, going in in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. 
Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if he has, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Gospel of our Lord. So just to see if we're listening and to see if we've remembered the words over the many, many years, to see if we know this. If I give you a one-word start to see if you can finish it off. Ready? First word is ask. All right, ask and it will be given to you. Ask and you receive. Okay, second word, search. Knock. Promises. If nothing else that you take away from here, know that those promises have been made and those promises are kept. In fact, the Bible lesson starts off with a request and, and Jesus, in, in answering that quest, is proving these things to be true. Before he even speaks them, he's given an illustration that they're true. Because the disciples ask to learn for Jesus to teach them to pray, they ask. They didn't just sit back and wonder, oh, Jesus, will you someday? No, they asked. And Jesus met that with the very first answer. He kept a promise before he even goes on to make more promises. But when I'm thinking about the Lord's Prayer, and this has happened a couple of times over the years, um, so you got to give it, yeah, sometimes you let the... if. We give a pastor have a little bit of a leash today. Today I got a fun story, and these guys some fun. Sometimes we have a lot of serious things to talk about, rightfully so. Sometimes it's just to have fun, and today is at the expense of my one of my sons. So, and he happens to be here, but he already knows it's coming. He doesn't know exactly what's coming. But um, Nanette was going to go to HEB once upon a time when we were living in Texas, and Jacob was about three years old. Jeffrey and Joshua were someplace else. Grocery store shopping event was to take place during the time of the month when our finances were really low. Like, it was just going to be a very quick trip in, maybe bread, some milk, some eggs, maybe a banana or an apple or something like that, and then go home. It wasn't like the trip. It was just to get us by till we get paid trip. And so before they step out of the car and start to enter the store, Nanette has these special instructions for Jacob. He's about to get three years old. Jacob, got listen to me, son. We are going to go to the store, but we are not going to buy Oreo cookies today. <laughs> Do you understand, Jacob? Yes, Mommy. You were, we can't buy them at this time, but we will buy them again, but just not this time. So please, while we're in the store, please, just don't ask me for them, because I don't want to have to say no. Just, we're not going to do that today. 
So little smiling Jacob nodded his head and says, yes, mommy. All right, so we're good. So Jacob, out of the car they go. Jacob's got mom's hand, and they make their way towards the store, and they get close to you know, the shopping carts. Jacob's a thick kid at three. He picks this heavy kid up and chunks his sort of thick legs through those little places where they sit in the, in the, in the carts. And he's in there and off there into the store. It's all going well. Um, she goes to the first place and she finds something and she goes, here, Jacob, can you put this in the cart? And Jacob's all happy, turns around and drops it in the cart. So now she's got a buddy in this shopping experience. Cart's getting filled with some of these items. And as they turn around one of these, these aisles, they get to the thing. All of a sudden they notice that there is the, the, the cracker aisle. And what's always in the cracker aisles? But the cookies. And what's on the cookie aisle? But Oreos. He just couldn't control it. He absolutely loves Oreo cookies. You know, it, he's just, so, mommy, can I please have an Oreo cookie? He had a raspy voice as a child. He always talked like that kind of for a while. So, mommy, can I please have Oreo cookies? And Nanette, of course, son, remember Jacob. I told you once we're just in the car. We're just here for a few things. and We can't get Oreo cookies this time, but we will, but just not this time. Remember you said it would be okay? Oh, okay. So he's pouting. He's sad. But it seems like he's going to live through it. So we continue through. They continue down another aisle and they're picking up another food item or something. They put it in the cart and then it happens again. There, on the end cap of an aisle, is a full, the display from the heavens of the building all the way to the floor. Hundreds of packages of Oreo cookies, thousands of packages of the double stuffed cookies right there in this magnificent pillar reaching to the heavens. And, oh, Jacob, mom... Can we please have some Oreo cookies? It was a heartfelt plea. It was a longing and a dramatic begging from his very core. Ned replies, oh, I told you, honey, in the car. We can't this time. Maybe next time. Oh, here, look, right over there. There's some milk. Help me go get the milk into the cart. So off they go and distract him with a cold ball of milk right on his lap and another jug. And, and then they go off. Finally, the shopping's complete. She's trying to make her way, avoiding everything that would hint like an Oreo cookie out of the story. Stands in the checkout line. Little Jacob has sensed that the end is near. This will be his last chance. So while Ned has turned and talked to someone that she knows in the store, Jacob is doing the unthinkable. He has stood up out of that little seat. He's willing himself. And in a desperate and dangerous, we know, dangerous action, he is raising his hands and he's shouting to the top of his little pastor kid voice, Oh, God, may I please have some Oreo cookies? <laughs> People in the other checkout lines, they're hearing this prayerful plea and they're laughing. Some are applauding. Some of the shoppers are moved by his desperate plea. And uh, they, gave him, they gave her, if it's okay to give to him, here you go, but here's some Oreo cookies, and, and gave the little fellow some Oreo cookies, and off we go. So back to the, how we started this. Ask, and it will be given to you. <laughs> Search, you will find. And knock, the door is open for you. All right, so some fun story. Um, that's not a theologically profound thing. That's not about, you know, just... Thank you for letting me have some fun on a Sunday morning with you. All right, so now to the serious stuff. Jesus, teach us to pray. Um, I think there was handouts today. Um, there are full sheet papers on there. I want you to notice on that paper that there are two, the very top part, there's two, two spaces. One says Luke chapter 11, 
um, 2 to 4, and the other one has Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Those are the two places we have in the New Testament where Jesus has given them words to pray. All right, so if you're ever curious what those words are exactly out of the scriptures, there you go. Um, that's where you can find them on your own. So Jesus teaches us to pray is in fact a prayer, right? He's talking to the Lord. That's a communication, and he's asking the Lord. They're approaching the Lord. And so the Lord teaches to pray as a prayer. And what does God do? He answers the prayer, and he teaches them to pray. So that helps us to know that this whole exercise today is about our abilities to approach God in prayer, in a relationship. And in that prayer, we can look for a promise, a prayer and a promise. Lord, teach us to pray. Sure thing. Here you go. All right, so the first note on here is you get a chance to, you have markers and stuff in, in, in the chairs in front of you. If you want to circle a word, circle the word Father in that, in that side of Luke chapter 11. Actually, it's on Matthew as well, our Father. But if you were to circle that word, that is the first thing that we would want to mention if we were here today and in the, in the, if we were talking to first century friends of ours, because that is a, a bold and almost reckless approach to God. So previously, the people of God would not say his name. In fact, when God gave his name to Moses, the I am, they would not even say that. They would just say Adonai or the Lord out of risk of misusing his name. They never used his name. They, instead of saying Mr. Bunsgard, for example, I'd just say sir. I wouldn't even get close to his name because I wouldn't want to be offensive or disrespectful or in any way heretical, mis, um, mis if I misuse his name, that someone else might get a wrong impression of who the Father God is. And so they just avoided it altogether. God in the Old Testament is holy. God was holy and God will be holy. He is all times and all places holy. He is powerful. He is perfect. And if you even come close to staining his good name, you're in trouble, right? So they didn't do it. They wouldn't have even approached that, that thought. In fact, when they were writing the Torah scrolls, when they were writing, they copy them one page to the other. When they were done writing a batch of the Torah scrolls, they took those pens. Every time they were using the actual name of the Lord, the I am, they would burn them because they wouldn't want to ever use something that wrote his name in an inappropriate way. I mean, they were that careful to use the Lord's name. And right now, Jesus says, you get to approach that God as Father. Father, Daddy, he later goes on to say. The purest, most holy, most powerful creator of all that is seen and unseen. The I am. You get to call and approach in Jesus, Father. Next thing when you circle that is, is in heaven. Not as only Jesus given us an approach to his father and our father, but he's also now saying something about the hallowedness. The hallowed is your name, father in heaven. But the hallowed on the name part of it is, was one, is we're to use his name in a holy way because when the world watches us, there's, they're getting a glimpse of that. If we parade with Christian crosses on our clothes and the name of our church on our, on our shirts and, and the people that are around us say, oh, there's a Christian, we want to wear that name and that title in such a way as it brings honor and glory to the one that we represent, right? We want to be good ambassadors. So that very first request, Father, is the approach to who we get to do that. But how would be your name? There was two parts. One, that we would keep it holy and that we would present it holy for everyone everyone else hallowed for the world to see and we are ambassadors 
So when they see us, much like the pen that wrote his name, we are the living beings. They're burying his name. How are we presenting to the world around us the hallowedness of our Father in heaven? So that's a couple of thoughts on that first one. Another one is, I think it's on the Matthew side, uh, the cha- verse 10, circle or underline on earth as it is in heaven. So that line on that paper, just circle it up. And when you get home on your Bible, circle that one up. That's an interesting piece for us when you're looking at this, this whole top section of the Lord's Prayer. And really, we want you praying this all the time throughout the days. Um, that phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, applies to everything above it. So when you read Matthew's verse, um, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can take that phrase and it applies to those previous three things. That's, that's not just a statement for us, but that is a pleading and a request for us. Bless you, by the way. Like, bless you, bless you, bless you for all the sneezes. So, hallowed be your name. Again, we are asking... Because we can't quite do it because we're in this tarnished, sinful place. But we're asking, God, let your name be hallowed in my life. Let me absolutely love and adore and respect and cherish you and your name that reflects you. Let that be in me. And then let that be across the whole earth. And when the earth sees me, that they'll see you in that. So the hallowedness, the sacredness, the beauty of that, it's not only for God there, but God here and then God in here. The hallowedness on that prayer is big. Right? That's just the first part. Then your kingdom. It's just his kingdom is not just there, but we want his kingdom to be in my life. I want him to be my king. I want him to be my Lord. He is the one who created. I'm his created. So in all of this stuff, he is the kingdom. And we want it on earth as in heaven. What a beautiful thing it would be if right now in this world, in, in, that God's kingdom would be here. It would be heaven. We would not have people with and people without. We wouldn't have ugliness. We wouldn't have the, all the junk that we bring to this world that causes the, the, the sadness and the despair and the ugliness and the woundingness. It would be gone. It would be heaven. Well, we're praying here that that takes place. And if only working on a small level, like between me and my wife and me and my sons and then be, be, me and my, my Christian friends here, Lord, your kingdom come on earth, here, right now, amongst us, as it is in heaven. That other piece, and then your will be done. It just continues that, right? On earth, as in heaven. So when you circle that in your Bible, and you get to Matthew, talk to all those three things. Lord, on earth means it's with me. It's with my family. It's with my, it's with my church, my church family, and it's with the world around us. Lord, your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's a beautiful piece on this. When we ask for those things, Jesus wants to give us those things. When we make that in in, in a prayer, Jesus wants to give us his promise. You pray for that and it comes. And you might not even recognize it for a while. You just keep praying it. Maybe it's coming and you don't even recognize it. Someone else might come up to you and say, wow, you feel like you're doing pretty good today. Or like you're all, what happened? And you might not even notice anything happened, but other people might see it. Pray for these things. All right, the third note. And this is a place where people in the world, here's just, here's just a kind of reality. If, if, if you notice people that they're always looking for the yeah buts and or the confrontations or the quarreling or trying to be right or whatever, and they, they're looking to highlight the differences, they're always going to go and exist, all right? But if you're looking for ways that we're kind of together and we share some things, then this part will be easy for you. The, the thing that's noticed when you look at Luke and Matthew, um, look at verse... 12 on Matthew. 
It says, forgive us our, what does it say? And then the next line, as we also have forgiven, what? All right, now look over to the other side. What does Luke say? And forgive us our, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted. Right? In the Luke side, it's indebted. So Luke starts off with forgive us our sins. He goes to indebted. Matthew starts off with debt and our debtors. And when we say the Lord's Prayer here, almost any given Sunday, as far as the church right now, when we normally say trespass, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You have three options. Well, you could absolutely say, there's only one of those that are right and everybody else is wrong and I'm in the right crowd, right? You could approach it in that kind of an argumentative way, or you could say, well, wait, 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 How, are, are they the same thing? Are they looking at the same thing just from a different place? Can they all be true? So think about the second, the latter. For, for the, the word that was used with debt, that word is ophelema, and it literally means like debt, like an accounting type of a debt. So in the ledger books of history, you and I, we owe God. We have done things that are wrong. We owe him. We owe him on a moral code because we have sinned against him. We have wronged. We have wronged our God. We have wronged our neighbors. And so now we are in debt to God. We are in debt to our neighbors. So that word is absolutely used. And and Matthew uses that word debt. Now Luke, he's using two words. The first part, he's using a word... um, Hamartia. Um, that means sin. The second word he uses is the other one, ophelema, which is debt. So in his translation in Luke, he's using sin first, hamartia, and he's using ophelema, is the second one is debt. Two words going on, so Luke uses both. But the thing is, when you're thinking about sin, we're, they're thinking of a different context for sin. When we think about sin, if you're like, hey, Miss Ringbird, pastor, the other once time she asked me, say, what do you think, how would you define sin? And I said, well, right now we pretty much define it. Anything that separates me from God or separates me from you, my friends or my neighbors or my family, right? Something that separates. That's how we've come to look at it. Well, sin, how the first century folks looked at it, I think was a little bit different. It's in the same area. It's not that there's one right and one wrong. It's just a different approach. First century idea of sin was this. Miss the mark, right? You draw back your arrow, you aim it, and you let it go, and it goes off. You miss your mark. Gone astray. You set out on a path and it's in the middle of the night and you woke up and you were supposed to be by the Sea of Galilee and oops, you're at the Dead Sea. Right? You're, you've, you've gone astray. You've wandered from your target or you have entered the wrong land, the wrong kingdom. Like you set off to go north and you ended up south. You set off to be in Canada and you ended up in Mexico. You're in the wrong kingdom, if you will. So the idea of sin there, how we're using it and translating it, we're using the word trespass most often. And that's more off of the Luke's emphasis of, the, of, the, of this first word. Because of the idea of trespassing is that we have missed a mark. We have gone astray. We have landed in the wrong kingdom. And now who's going to get us out of this kingdom? So they all kind of play in there. So for us to you know, celebrate all three possibilities... Sin communicates something, debt communicates something, and trespass communicates something. And they're all communicating something that should have been that's not in a way that's a way to get back to that. Now, here's the other part of that. You've got to highlight this. As we have forgiven or as we forgive. That is not an option. There is no way that we are going to experience the blessedness of God's name, his kingdom, or his will unless we are receiving God's forgiveness, which means we ask and we receive. 
However, the, the, the other part of that is, is you can enjoy God's kingdom, the full blessedness and the love and the peace and the joy of the kingdom if you're going around with a backpack loaded with how you've been wounded in this world. In order to be free and experience what Jesus is talking about in the ways of heaven, we forgive as much as we've been forgiven. So when it comes time to, to forgive somebody, you can say, I can't forgive. And then you got to look in the mirror and say, well, does God forgive me? If God forgives me, I have no option but to forgive them. And it's not a have to. Really, some of the, the most grumpy, wounded, suffering people in this world, the ones that I know like that, are the ones that have backpacks that are just loaded with the ways that other people have hurt them, and they refuse to let them go. They start having hunched over lives because they refuse to forgive. They will never know heaven if they're bent over with the, the ways people have disappointed them. Because if they can't forgive others, how can they even let themselves be forgiven? I mean, it's all tied together. That is a gem that Jesus gives here in this, in this short little prayer, forgiving. If you want to know heaven, you have to forgive. You have to let it go. Just let it go. All the ways they've hurt us, all the ways they've disappointed us, all the things that we've done, we have to take that whole bundle of how we have missed the mark and how we've ended up in foreign lands and we didn't want to be there. We take that and we just say, God, it's yours. It's yours. And we ask, and he will forgive, and he'll move us on. So that whole thing is, is connected. I put on there, uh, Matthew, on those papers I hand out, did you, is your paper show Matthew six fourteen to 15? Right? Okay, so when you look at Matthew's translation of the Lord's Prayer um, 9 to 13, it says um, our debts, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now look at 14 and 15. This is the very next two sentences in his book. The next two sentences, Matthew says, For if you forgive men when they s what? sin, if they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. So in just four verses, he's interchanging sins, debts, trespasses, sins, debts. It's all interchangeable. It all means that. And he means what he says. He means what he says. All right, the last piece. Church is Lord's Prayer. When you look at Matthew 6 to 9 verses, the Lord's Prayer that we use almost every Sunday, what's the biggest thing that you notice different? Biggest thing that you notice different on that one? It ends differently. Do you notice that? One's longer. What's, what's the last words? For thine is the king, yeah, forever and ever, amen. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, and amen. Now, there are some Bible folks in the world who say, oh, you Lutherans, you know, those whatever churches, you're adding to the Lord's Prayer. You shouldn't do that. You got to he's like, oh my gosh, here we go again with the people that always want to find differences, right? So, yes, that is an addition to what Jesus said. And here's what's going on. One, the early church that gave us this on behalf of Jesus, that early church incorporated into its worship and into its sacramental practices and into its daily devotions, the Lord's Prayer. It just did. In every time and all day, I mean, they, people were praying this prayer. It was officially part of the service. Two, the church intimately was familiar with the Old Testament lessons. They were noticing all the words of the Old Testament, which a lot of our folks that would make those statements wouldn't know. And then the other thing is the early church was inspired, having received this gift, this treasure of heaven in the form of the Lord's Prayer, having received that gift, that they wanted to have a doxology. They wanted to have a response. And a doxology is simple this. I mean, just as far as definitions. Doxology, it's a noun. It's a liturgical formula. 
like A plus B equals C type of a thing. A doxology, a liturgical formula that gives God thanks and praise. So they added a thanks and praise to what Jesus gave them in the Lord's Prayer. It's not changing any truth. It's just a response. So when we add, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever, that is a response. And where did that came from? It was inspired by the scriptures. They just didn't make this up. One day, they just pulled it out, and they got an idea. Okay? So I put on there, 1 Chronicles 29, David's prayer. I'm going to read it quickly. Just follow along. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. So from First Chronicles, the early church knew First Chronicles, and they absolutely said, let's join David in a word of thanks. Now, for us to figure out why would they do that, the commentary on this Chronicles is, is that King David was approaching the end of his life. When this was written, he was approaching the end of his life. Solomon was about ready to be the next king. He wanted to bless Solomon with the resources, the capacity to start what Solomon was going to do, which is to build a temple for the Lord in Jerusalem. So David is preparing for that. He is entrusting his wealth and all of his friends now to gather with him to entrust that wealth to this project. So in these moments, just before these words, the people had gathered, the leaders had gathered, they've gathered around David, and they've all made a commitment. We are going to give our wealth to this project to build this temple to the glory of God. So when they see that, one, they see a place for God's people to have a home, a place where God interacts, and it will be a beacon for the world to see. I mean, all kinds of reasons. So here we go. We have that. And it happens. David's like, what crazy surprise. He calls the people together, and they come. He asks them to give of their financial resources and all of their wealth to give to the Lord, and that's exactly what they do. And the pile of gold and the pile of materials was so great that David's heart was overwhelmed, and this is the prayer that he prayed. This doxology from 1 Chronicles 29, David's prayer, he praised the Lord for all that the Lord has done and the people's response to all the Lord has done. It was just a very beautiful moment in history when he recognized the gift of God to his people and the response of the people back to God and that they shared everything they had back with the Lord. No one was holding on to something for themselves. They just gave it back because they just trusted God. And in that moment, in that context, the early church said, let's take a glimpse of that and add it to the Lord's Prayer. We have this beautiful gift of our Lord in the form of these words and this, this approach to our Heavenly Father, this relationship that he's, he's establishing with us. And having received that treasure from Him, what are we going to give back? We're going to give Him back a doxology, right? A formula of our thanks and praise. And so the early church added to the Lord's words their response. For thine is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. They took the Lord's gift, and they gave back their thanks and their praise. It's entirely right to do so. So today we get to remember the Lord's prayer as a church. Not just the Lord's prayer, but the Lord's promise. Jesus' invitation and instruction is that we would enter into relationship with the Father through him in prayer. It's an invitation. It's not a have to. If you want the Lord and you want a right relationship with God, you pray and he answers. It's an invitation. Ask and it will be given to you. 
Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. It's a powerful promise to meet our powerful prayers. God help us be that church. Amen. Let us declare our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, from whom all things were made, who for us men came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to the glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people as they have need. O Lord our God, you have commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, and you have again brought us to your house of prayer to praise your goodness and ask for your gifts. Accept now in your endless mercy the sacrifice of our worship and thanksgiving and grant us those requests which will be wholesome of us. Make us to be children of the light and of the day and heirs of your everlasting inheritance. Remember, O Lord, according to the multitude of your mercies, your whole church, all who join with us in prayer, all of our sisters and brothers, wherever they may be in your vast kingdom, who stand in need of your help and comfort. Pour out upon them the riches of your mercy, so that we, redeemed in soul and body and steadfast in faith, may ever praise your wonderful and holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and always throughout all ages of ages. Amen. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.